Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We're in a series uh, that we've entitled it, Let's Talk Church. Let's Talk Church. I think it's really important to just get real about things and to discover the why of what we do. Why do we do this thing called church? Why do we attend here? Why do we sing those songs? Why do we talk so much about Jesus? Uh, why, for some of us, why do we lift our hands? Why do we, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. It's really important to know the why, because when you know the why, then the what and the how will follow. All right, I remember heard, um, uh, it's a joke, but this girl, she, um, she was in a marine biology class, and uh, the teacher was up the front and making a real point that it was impossible for a man to be swallowed by a whale. And the girl was sitting there, and she's really stewing about the whole thing, thinking uh, about her biblical uh, Sunday school uh, times. And so she came up to the teacher at the end, and she said, why do you think it's impossible for a man to be swallowed by a whale, because it's not impossible. And the teacher made the point again, it's impossible scientifically, biologically, for a man to be swallowed by a whale. And so the, the girl said, well, what about Jonah? Uh, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And the, uh, the teacher again disagreed, vehemently disagreed with the, with the uh, student. She said, no, he wasn't, it's impossible. And the little girl said this. She said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And the teacher said this. She said, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? What if Jonah's in hell? And the student said, well, then you can ask, ask him. <laughs> I think it's really... It's important for us to understand that God, uh, God doesn't mind you understanding the why of the Christian faith, everything we're singing about. That's why I really encourage you if, you, if you're new to the faith or you don't believe yet, I hope this is a safe place for you to discover faith, to ask questions, and really important for you to do Alpha. And uh, Ian, are you here? Ian, Stand up, Ian. Ian's in the back there with the mask on. Everybody look, that's Ian back there. Ian's going to be leading a running alpha. Uh, he's done it before and loves it. So just go and see him and also fill out the yellow card to do alpha. Well, I am so impressed with people that we would term our creatives. People that can write songs, write a book, prepare uh, an amazing meal, produce a movie, I, I, I don't know what it is, but some people just have the capacity to take an idea, a dream, a vision in their head, and, and make it reality. That really impresses me when I see people like that. I absolutely marvel. And I marvel because we're still able to create things in our world, that things that are just ideas or concepts that haven't come into fruition. And to do that, I think, is incredible, but the realization that you might not be a songwriter, an author, you might not appear on MasterChef, but you're still creating something in your world today. 
We create with our hands. We create with our mouth, through our words. But we also create with something called our values. I went to Parliament House this past week. I was invited uh, for lunch by uh, a man that was part of the congregation. He happens to be a member of Parliament, uh, where I was preaching down in Brisbane uh, a few months ago. And uh, he, he messaged me and said, hey, can you meet for lunch? I'd love to uh, show you around Parliament House, and you, know, and you can eat at Parliament House, which was a great meal, uh, quite, quite an exquisite kind of a menu there. And uh, Parliament House was built, I think, around the 1860s. It's a grand old building. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll be down there. That's, that's, that's really good. I'll be down for that. So I went down there, and my friend Mark Robinson, who's the member for uh, what's known as Cleveland, the area down there, I think near the Gateway Bridge somewhere, anyway, uh, we had lunch together. Had a great time sharing values and some of the things that I've been talking about here and things that he's trying to implement uh, through Parliament. He's a very committed Christian. And then he took me and he showed me uh, an area just outside of, of the House floor where Parliament was in session. And he showed me these two stained glass windows that'll come up. And uh, I was pretty amazed because these, these windows have a scripture on it, Psalm 127, which we're going to read shortly, but uh, both of them were kind of in an obscure area, and they weren't destroyed by the current climate of politics where they're trying to cancel culture, all, all, anything to do with religion. They're trying to get rid of it. And these two stained glass windows uh, were in this area, which I thought was pretty amazing because they've kind of put it off to the side and obscured it a little bit, but he showed it to me very proudly. And it's Psalm 127, and I want to read that out. Uh, 127 verse 1, it says this, it says, except the Lord build the house. And I thought that was quite uh, amazing because we're talking about the house uh, of representation for government. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor. Now we have, a, uh, we have something called the labor, labor government. Uh, and we have the liberals and the labor, but I thought that's also uh, quite amazing. They labor in vain. They build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, that's old King James, they waketh in vain. The question is, what is God building his house on and what is he watching over his city with? And the answer to that, of course, is God's word and God's spirit, but it's also something called values or what we would value or put worth on. Now, we talked a little bit last week about this, but you cannot legislate that. You cannot just create rules or just commandments to implement values in society. In fact, if you value something or someone, you don't need a rule to say, don't kill them. You don't have to have a commandment that says, hey, don't steal from that person. When, when there's a value and I see, that, I see people as valuable and of great worth, then I'm not about to kill them or to steal from them, and I don't need that to be legislated. But where values don't exist, then there's something that is created by default, not by design. 
And that something is where I really want to uh, uh, land today. I want to talk about what values create is something called culture. It's why we would even take a whole series in why church, why we would talk a lot about values that shape our culture here at City Church, but not just the hour and a half or however long this meeting goes for, but what you're taking with you out into the community. And it really is who you are. And I want to talk about values this morning that create or build culture. And I want to define culture for you. Culture is the summation of ideas, customs, and behavior. Our culture is the, the summary of our ideas, our customs, and our behavior. Now, there are many cultures in the world that we live in. If you work in an office, there's a culture in that office. There's a culture in your home. There's a culture on the building site, in the classroom. And there's a culture in this church. And that's why we have values that are clear, clearly stated as, as you leave in the foyer on the wall on that side. You'll see uh, uh, 10, I believe it is, value statements there that will help us define what the culture is of City Church so that we're building something with intention and, and with purpose. Every nation, every society, every business, every family, everything has a culture. Everyone carries a culture, including Parliament House. It was interesting because after lunch, my friend Mark, he had to give a speech to Parliament House, and so I went around the building. We are in the annex. I went around the building and uh, signed back in again to be up in the gallery watching the proceedings down below on the House floor. And it was my friend Mark's turn to give his speech, and I'd asked him beforehand, well, what are you going to be talking about? What's your speech about? And he said, it's how to solve the problem with the youth in my electorate. I don't know if you've watched the news, but almost every single day on the news, somebody's car has been stolen and somebody's racing around neighborhoods, smashing cars into buildings, uh, trying to run from police. It's an, it's an incredibly toxic phenomenon that's going on right now, and my friend Mark, of course, being a uh, representative, a politician, it's, it's part of his job to try to solve that or to enact legislation or to enable and empower organizations to solve that problem. His speech was, I thought, incredible. He only had a few minutes, and I'm up in the gallery and I'm watching him give his speech to Parliament, and something uncanny happened, something that I really didn't expect. I was quite surprised by it. I probably shouldn't have been surprised because I've watched Parliament on the news occasionally, and you can hear a lot of shouting going on. But here he is talking about how to solve a problem that affects society and especially a valued part of our demographics, which is our youth. He's giving answers. 
he uh, is a very kind man, and he's giving his speech, and they're heckling him. And I looked around, I thought, who's, who's making all this noise? I'm talking about cheering, boo, um, comments. And it was funny to see these adults in Parliament that were on the opposition, obviously, he's a liberal, and they're, they're covering their mouth. They're, they're able to yell and speak without moving their lips. I'm looking intently to see who is this that's yelling and, and abusing my friend who's given this great speech on how, how to help our community. And looking around, I, it was really hard to, to tell where that was coming from. And it was, there was a flashback in my mind because it's what we used to do in grade school or junior high school to teachers. We would cover our mouths, put our head down, and yell and, and abuse the teacher until the teacher got frustrated because they couldn't tell where that was coming from. And I thought, isn't this amazing? Because these are people that represent society. They are our representatives in, in a place called Parliament, and they're acting like unruly, rude, obnoxious kids. And I thought about the culture that's created there in our government, and it's the same with federal politics. Where does that culture come from? Because that was a very toxic culture. And the answer is values. Not godly values, not what I saw on the stained glass windows just outside of that chamber, unless the Lord builds the house. Those that labor, labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city. The watchmen are, are watching in vain. I thought to myself, how do you shape society and how do you build something that's going to last, something that's going to actually impact society, and how do you create an organization, re-engineer, if you will, something called the church, and it comes back to reestablishing and reinstituting values that will shift toxic, deadly culture out and, and, and replace that with life, with, with uh, uh, soul-building culture, and that's why we're talking about this morning about something that's very dear to my heart, that we could institute faith cultures and cultures of joy and, and cultures uh, of, of, of uh, belief so that people actually are not defined in a negative, toxic way, but the definition would, of our culture would be robust in faith and, and problem-solving and, and love towards other people. And everything that Jesus espoused and taught as he walked the shores of Galilee and they wrote it down, do, do good to your neighbor, forgive those people that have done you wrong. All, all of these things, love. But that doesn't happen by accident. Much of our culture today, is, it's, it's at such odds with what Jesus taught. And now I'm going to hurt us a little bit, but even in the church. Some churches have toxic culture. Not unlike Parliament, to be honest. Not that much different. 
That's why we have to talk about values that shape culture so that the church can truly be a light to the community, so that we can be the salt that hasn't lost its savor, so that we can walk out of here different because we've been here. We can walk out and influence our society in a big way because our society is sick and it desperately needs life. It needs a, a heart transplant, if you will. So our assignment is to shift toxic, soul-destroying cultures and create safe, life-giving cultures. Now, for that to happen, I believe that culture must shift on at least three levels. I'm going to give those to you very quickly. Number one, culture needs to shift on a personal level. That's not expecting a group of people to do it for me, but if it's going to be, it's up to me. It has to start in my heart and work its way out. In order for there to be a toxic culture in an organization, there has to be toxic individuals. And a lot of times we want to shuck off, pass off, deflect away from ourselves and point the finger at an organization such as parliament, perhaps society, the school, or the church, and we forget to look in the mirror and say, well, what about me? What values do I carry? Now, often we mistake values with rules. And again, we talked about that last week, and I don't want to just skip past that. But I'm not talking about a set of rules. The, uh, if, you, if you have values, you don't need rules. You don't, you don't need to have a law when people love. So the essence of personally embracing the values that God sets off in his word and the example of Jesus to love your neighbor, I don't need a rule for that. I need a value, and I must hold that, that value deep within me so that it doesn't move because culture is shifting, but values are stable. Values are stationary. Values don't shift at all. So that when you're faced with a situation where you can choose to either hate, to gossip, to be mean, to be nasty towards somebody. Uh, you don't do it because you hold a value in your heart that says, I don't do that. That's not what I'm on about. That's not what the way that I'm defined is not by a hating, gossiping person. I'm not going to be part of a toxic culture. It starts with me before it becomes we. Me has to be worked outward into we, and the shift has to take place in our values. God is not committed, however, to, I, to who I pretend to be or who I intend to be. God is committed to who I really am. Oh, well, my intentions are good, Pastor Ed. That's lovely, but that's not you yet. That's, maybe it's the future you. I don't know. And we all know, and we, people talk about this a lot, people come to church and they pretend. They pretend to be somebody that they're not. And again, God can't use someone who you are pretending to be because that person does not exist. Do you understand that? The person that exists is the real you. That's why one of our values is this, and you'll see it on the wall, we don't pretend because we don't have to. 
that value in one word is real. Be real. People appreciate somebody that's real. Even if you're really wrong, at least you're real. But the whole pretending thing, that doesn't go very far, especially with the younger generation. The older generation got away with a lot of stuff, and younger people are not putting up with it. That's why a lot of young people are giving church a wide berth. It's because it's full of pretense and pretenders. And, and this church, one of our values is we're not into pretend. We're into being real and let the real values of God start in our hearts so that we can let God change who we are, not who we wish we were or, or intend to become or pretend to be. That person does not exist. Getting real, I believe, is one of the most important things that we can do in our Christian walk. So we don't pretend because we don't have to. You can be real here. Be real. Number two, Culture shifts, number two, on an intentional or a purposeful, by design, if you will, level. It shifts on purpose. I have to intentionally think about the values in my heart, and they get identified by what comes out my mouth, my attitude, how I treat other people, how I talk about other people or organizations. It identifies me, and I have to be intentional to influence that, to let God influence that so that I can then influence the culture around me. And that's what the church is about. Values, uh, they, they, they need to get out of our heart into the community intentionally so that we're walking with intention so that one of our values, I will go anywhere to reach anyone, is a reality I really will go anywhere to reach anyone with the love of God, intentionally doing that. Again, it's not going to land in my lap. It's not going to happen by default. It's going to happen by design. It's, it's going to happen because I'm a servant, because I want to be great. One of our values is we serve our way to greatness. Let he that wants to be the greatest among you, Jesus said, well, let that person be a servant. That value has to be intentional, however. I have to look around and go, there's a need. I'm going to be the one to meet that need. I'm here to serve, not to be served. I'm here to be almost, uh, in, a, in a way, a slave, Jesus says, instead of the master, instead of waiting for people to serve me, I'm going to serve them because he's the master. And he said, if you want to be great, here's the way to greatness. Go down, you'll come up. That's why that's one of our values. I serve my way to greatness. It's not what you do that makes you great. Your greatness is what you do to inspire others to do. Number four, uh, number three rather, and we'll uh, finish with this one. Culture shifts on a relational level. Now, on any, in any relationship, you're either influencing the people around you or you're being influenced by the people around you. So a question, who's influencing you? And are they influencing you to be a better person, a better version of you? Or are you being influenced to go down in life? 
Who are you influencing? Are you influencing people up? Or are you pushing people down? Because relationship is spatial. Now, I'm going to talk about that, but uh, people occupy certain spaces in your world. They're uh, either mature enough to occupy a space close to you or not mature enough to be in that space, and so they should be further out. If you picture a bullseye, a target, and the bullseye is you, and of course God in you, then the concentric circles that move out from the center of that represent the spatial relationship that you have with people in your world. So these relationships are, are spatial, and people occupy that space. Are they mature enough? Do they have high values? Because values that you carry is what the values in other people, the type of people that you're going to attract. So if you picture that, then you'll start to see there's certain people that you need to not let in close proximity to you because they don't hold and they don't espouse the values that you have at your core that come from God, such as forgiveness and love, such as uh, serving and all of the things that God says that we are to do, uh, we are to become, and, and, and those spaces are reserved for people that really have similar values. If you look at Jesus and his 12, there were uh, James and John, they were right there. They, you know, and Peter as well. They, they were right there close to him. They were allowed into close proximity with him. The other 12 were, were there, but they were a little bit further out. Then you have 72 that were even further away from, from, from the center, if you will. He only let certain ones go and witness uh, uh, the transfiguration and, and to be in a room where he raised somebody from the dead. Not everybody was allowed into that room or, or into that space. So culture is by design on who you're letting in to close proximity to your life. It's a picture, if you will. We live life on levels. We experience life in stages, but we live life spatially in levels. And our culture shifts when we unite as one because culture is collective. It starts as an individual within us. It starts to go out, and it starts to affect those around us. It starts to draw people in of similar values so that the culture can become potent and powerful so that the light can shine brighter and brighter in this world so that we don't complain about the darkness and we don't fight the darkness. We change the darkness by turning on the light that starts from the inside and works its way out. So we're going to close uh, in a moment. I'd like the uh, band to uh, come up in a moment. So... I titled this message, by the way, Culture Wars. Culture Wars. Because there is a warfare going on between two types of culture. And one of them is winning right now. Unfortunately, there's toxic culture, cancel culture. There's a lot of bad cultures in the world today that are creating havoc. And the solution to that is not religion and ritual. 
It's life-transforming power from God. That God has a solution. He sent His Son, not an argument. He sent His Son so that we could look and know what love is like. He sent His values personified in His Son. Not a list of rules, but a personal invitation to come up higher, to get to know God through His Son work together we're out of time but um, next week we're going to pick this up again and I'm that excited uh, as we explore further about the values of City Church which I invite you to be part of if you've made this your home church I'm that excited about what God's going to do here to help us reach a desperately desperate world that's why we're on the planet. Amen. I'd like you to bow your heads and I want to give an invitation to you to ask Jesus into your heart. You may not know what that means and that's okay. Sign up for Alpha. But right now, if I ask you the question, where are you with God? If the answer is I don't know or I feel far away from him, distant, that's okay. You don't have to stay there. If you would like to know him, he is knocking at the door of your heart. There's only one thing, open your heart, get to know him. How do I do that, you ask? It's real simple. You just invite him in. What's going to happen if I do that? You get to know him. You can talk to him and listen through prayer. He'll show you things about your purpose in life, your destiny, while you're on the planet. It all starts with a decision to acknowledge him and to let him into your heart. If that's you right now, with every eye closed, every every head bowed, this is between you and God, nobody else. So I'm just going to... Uh, pray right now. If you want to pray, we'll all pray together. If you want to pray and ask Jesus into your heart, just say this after me. Dear God, I thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son. Jesus, come into my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.